Hi guys, welcome to Too Real. We are your hosts, Ali J and Patty Nunez. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to the very first episode of season two. Season yes. two. I know we didn't end season one technically, but because we're more for- focused on, on what our mission is, we want to. Uh, yeah, we want to apologize first of all for our absence. And um, we're going to jump into the good stuff, but first, we want to explain the title of technically the sixth episode, but the first episode of the second season. Um, we're calling, we're titling this the Rebirth, and I know that sounds disgusting and super extra, but um, honestly, there's been a shift in the podcast. Uh, first and foremost, we're still going to be reviewing movies because it didn't feel like we were. We just, it didn't feel like we were doing enough, right? To just from, review movies. To just yeah. review movies, like we weren't serving our purpose and we wanted to create a space and shine a light on movies created by and starring minorities specifically people of color women of color we want to create a conversation that focused on the brilliance the creativity and unfortunately the con- the continuous struggle to seek representation on the silver screen as two cinephiles i cannot ignore the political climate or ignore the movies themselves more than entertainment um they're often charged with political messages about inequality, socio and economic oppression, and loaded with stories about survival. And we urge you to ride along with us on a journey that highlights the excellence and the roles that people of color play in the film industry. Yes, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up, guys. It's about to get bumpy. Just kidding. Not bumpy. Just uh, informative, I think. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Alicia, how was uh, your time away? How was your holiday? How was uh, New Year's? It was fun. Uh, I feel like I ate too much, but then now I feel like I didn't eat enough. Oh, girl. Who are you telling? I had so many tamales. It was ridiculous. Like, I must have eaten a, do- a dozen within, like, a three-day span. Yes. Probably sure more than that, honestly. I'm just trying to... I don't <laughs> so, even care about the gifts on Christmas. I just care about the food. The food, right? Like, when yeah. we were little, like, everybody used to love, like, oh, I used to, you know, wait for the gifts because we open ours at midnight and uh, on the 24th. Well, technically 25th is the first thing in the yeah. morning. But, yeah, now I'm more excited about uh, food. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, just, uh, we thought we would share a few, uh, some news happening in the film world. Um, one, did you hear about uh, Obama's uh, favorite movies list? You mentioned it to me, but I, I want to know what's on that list. Yeah, I know. So our boy Barry posted, <laughs> he posts this every year. He makes a list of his favorite uh, songs, his favorite movies, and his favorite books. Um, of course, I had to. I was very intrigued to know what he was watching. So I have that list. All right, I'm going to yes. read it out to you. Okay, this was posted on uh, Barack Obama's Instagram, by the way. I'm, I want to imagine a world where he's the one posting this himself. I don't know if it's an assistant or something, but I don't care. He has down Annihilation. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Blind Spotting, Burning, The Death of Stalin, Eighth Grade, If Beale Street Could Talk. I want to see that one. Yeah, definitely. That's one Leave No list. Trace, Minding the Gap, The Writer, Roma, Shoplifters, Support the Girls, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. We talk about how epic this list is. Because it's like, yeah. seriously, the cutest thing that he included, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Is that Mr. Rogers? I yes. cried when he died. I, I, I know. Loved well, him. he was incredible. He was. I need to see that movie. I still haven't. I need seen to see it, it too. Okay. Well, now it's on Barry's list. We I'm have probably to watch gonna it cry because sure. I cried yeah. when he passed away. I know. So yeah, I thought. Have you seen all of those? Or have you no, seen them? no. I've seen I've Black seen... Panther, Black Klansman, and Roma. And now I need to see. Won't you see my neighbor? I'm, I'm thinking like, of adding. The I, rest I to mean, my list. I need to get. Yeah, I need to get on it because I've only seen like two or three of those on the list. Oh wow. Okay. Well, if anyone else says listening uh if you've watched these movies let us know we want to know what you think about barry's list uh another cool thing another notable um i guess noteworthy news <laughs> um palm springs international film festival um it's a, fi- a festival made up of 200 films from 78 different countries some of the most i guess this year they're showing a couple of really notable uh latinx films which is really important for you know the hispanic latino community um we have, I'm going to read off a few of uh, the ones I saw on that list. And one of them was uh, Perfectos Desconocidos, directed by Manolo Caro, and that's a Mexican film. We have Roma, di- uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, and that's also a Mexican film. Uh, Museo, directed by Alonso Ruiz Palacios. I actually did not write a director. Oh, no, sorry, that was directed by <laughs> that. I didn't write where that was from, but I, I think it was Mexico as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. 
Las Herederas was directed by Marcelo Marinesi, and that's a movie that was uh, from Paraguay and Uruguay. So we thought that was important. I thought that was kind of cool to see that there, you know, the you know we don't really have a lot of films that make it just, to international stuff. I'm so. happy you read that because I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, it sounds so beautiful. Oh, thank you. For <laughs> All right, and uh, Lucia, I think you had something to share too, right? Yeah, um, I was reading some articles in the New York Times, and um, they were saying that for 2018, there's fewer women that are directing top films. Um, it actually went down. Um, 11% from 2017. Well, that's sad. That's yeah, and um, also 1% of top films, only 1% of top films feature 10 or more women in crucial behind-the-scenes roles. Um, so it's like, it's important uh, to make a change, but that change is not going to happen unless a major effort from the studios, talent agencies, guilds, and associations happen. Right, so yeah. It's just kind of sad that it should be increasing, not decreasing. Right. But you know what? A lot of it has... I... You know what? This is just uh, convection. I don't have any substantial proof of what I'm about to say. But it makes me wonder if a lot of the stuff that's been happening lately with, like, the Me Too movement has anything to do with that, you know? Well, it's, that's a good segue into my next uh, next article, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the next one I found was um, what it's like to be a female movie critic in the Me Too movement. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um... So there's a few things from the article that I got. Uh, one was that sexism is not noticed until powerful men are, were accused of sexual assault. Um, and the focus is always on the next steps of the perpetrator and not the victims, like what happened to their life, what's going to happen to them. It's always focused right. on the men. Um, and uh, she noticed, or the, the critic said that she always noticed sexism, but felt that acceptance was uh, important to continue to love movies. So even though she saw it, she felt like she couldn't really speak out on it because she wouldn't really enjoy movies as much i didn't really like this article because i feel like she, she's saying that she knows it's going on but it's it's better just to sweep it under the rug than to confront it and that's yeah, that's, that's, not, the that's the not point of our podcast yep. and that's why we want to review films because we're not gonna put that under the rug we're not gonna brush it aside we're gonna bring that stuff to the forefront because in order for change to happen we have to acknowledge it yeah. but if everyone's ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist yeah si- silence um when you're silent you you take the side of the oppressor it's not there's no in between there's no gray color i don't like that either and then like um that. another part is they said sexism works it depends on women getting along and going along with their own oppression and that's what we've been doing we've been oppressed and we allow people to do it and we're just going on because that's the status quo so we have to question the status quo in order for things to change yeah and sometimes a lot of the times when victims don't speak up though it um has a lot to do with the consequences they face you know perfect example is dr ford you know who recently testified in the kavanaugh hearing and what happened to her you know she's still getting death threats in the mail she had to move homes she's getting death threats at her job i think actually she's not working if i'm correct me if i'm wrong guys but i think she's not working right now because of these threats and it's oftentimes like women speaking up like people say that all the time it's like why don't women speak up or why didn't she say anything sooner it's like because there's these crazy repercussions that right. come with and then a lot of times inst- powerful men instead of um they're the ones on trial like you have to prove that this happened to you instead of like take instead of taking their side and saying like you're we believe you they have to kind of prove it so it's like right. living that all over again yeah. so we need to change that where oh, we're not another assuming, example yeah. yeah this is not film industry but music industry which is very similar to the film industry but kesha she like accused that mm-hmm. famous producer dr luke of rape and she was basically shunned from her career like right. she couldn't she wasn't allowed to record and she couldn't break that contract she gets sued for thousands of yeah Probably thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars so it's, you know, one of the many. But I agree. I don't think, I don't like that. We should feel like we need to be shushed all the time or that we need to live this life in fear. And I think the Me Too movement was powerful. But, I mean, this article, one thing that I did like about it is that's true. It's happened. But we haven't heard anything since. Like, mm-hmm. where's the, like, what happened to Weinstein? Is he being prosecuted? Like, what's going on with that? How are the victims doing? Like, it was a big deal and it was a big movement. But what now? Right. I agree. It's a lot of a lot to think about, and uh, just I didn't note this when I uh, read my list, but for the Palm Springs International Film Festival, um, I res- I read this information on Remesco. They have a great article. We'll try to post a link um, so that you're able to further read up on all the amazing films that were showed. Um, this is the weekend of one of January fourth, so by the time this episode is posted, it probably won't be relevant. But you can still read on. There's still amazing films you can look into. 
right so that when they come to film yeah then you can to, check them out yeah all right guys so uh today this is a very special episode not only because as we called it earlier a rebirth but it's also um we, we're excited because we have a very special guest on the show today it's our, our first, first yeah our first, first guest. guest and um secondly we're talking about um like i said normally i i know that if you've been following us along on this very short journey um we were normally reviewing films that were in theaters and just reviewing them right away um but we're gonna actually i feel like there's so many great movies we don't we're not always gonna have really great movies to review in theaters that's the truth and um we thought it would be best if we could just dive into all these other like this archive of of important films for like people of color for women of color so today uh will be that that very premiere of said film and we're gonna be talking about the color purple and alicia you had something to say about that because this is a special episode because we're not just reviewing the movie yeah we're not just reviewing the movie um we're also talking about the play yeah that we got to see uh on december 30th yeah it was phenomenal just a spoiler alert (laughs) but yeah uh so yeah we have we're gonna all right so uh some facts about the film uh, the 1985 coming-of-age period drama was directed by Steven Spielberg, who, as many of you know, he directed things like Jaws, Indiana Jones, um, E.T., uh, Twilight Zone. Um, the Color Purple was actually the first of its kind for him to direct, like the first project of this kind to, for him to direct. Um, fun fact, I guess Spielberg originally did not want to take on the project uh, because he didn't feel that he had the experience to rightfully like serve the movie but Quincy Jones who's a producer um and the music creator for the film insisted that he was the guy to direct this so basically that's why Spielberg directed it because Quincy begged him to <laughs> um the movie is based on the 1982 book The Color Purple by Alice Walker um the book won a 1983 Pulitzer Prize and Walker was the first African American woman to receive it Uh, The story highlights a lot of issues black women faced, uh, sexism, racism, domestic violence, poverty. And the film uh, stars Danny Glover, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey. Those are the most notable names. And you said you had somebody else. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. But it was such a long time ago that if you look at the credits, it actually says Larry Fishburne. Uh, But yeah, that was when he first started. Yeah. And I guess during... uh, the film's release alice walker actually faced um she faced a lot of backlash from uh the black community a lot of people you know i guess called her like a race traitor because they didn't agree with the way she painted men or i guess it wasn't translated to them that same way um the way that she painted black men in the movie you know she they felt a lot of people felt like she was uh kind of portraying a stereotype and not necessarily like doing anybody a favor right with her words and um she actually had an interesting interview with the guardian um she told in an interview she said you'll notice that most people in discussing mister who was the son of a slave owner in the story they just cut it off yes i'm assuming this means the film because she was able to reach a lot of people through books but she specifically gave rights to the movie and kate for the people that didn't read and she wanted to reach a large base of people so she said um they cut it off they acted they act like 400 years of being dominated and enslaved by white men left no trace and that all this bad behavior started with black people it's ridiculous but it's the way people distance themselves from their own history and their own participation in what is a very bloody and depressing behavior over centuries so um you know with that like i guess she i mean her own mother like i read in an interview that she wasn't able to finish the book because she couldn't get past like a few the beginning rape scenes um you know for those of you that have and i'm now we're speaking from a point that we're hoping that a lot of you have already seen the movie if you haven't like you really should it's a great movie but there as a reminder there's gonna be a lot of spoilers um in this episode because this movie is from 1985 like it's you know crazy amount of years old and um yeah, so with that, um, Alicia, I think uh, you had you had some facts about the, the play. Or should I go into this? Yeah. Okay. Well, first, actually, we're going to say uh, one thing, because Alicia's also going to share some facts about the play right now. 
with that, we just wanted to share uh, one thing that cinema cannot compete with live theater is the rawness of emotion that the audience experiences or witnesses. Whereas films are a product of endless uh, rehearsals and table reads, theater actors obviously rehearse too, but while they're pouring this on stage, it's live. You're witnessing these emotions live, and that's a very powerful thing to experience. Um, The film was a powerful piece for its time. Walker's own mother could not read the book in its entirety, as we said earlier. She stated this in an interview. So for the time, a story about a black, a specifically dark-skinned black girl, who above the suppression and abuse from the men in her life, uh, where she's stripped from her liberty, her children, her happiness in general, it wasn't just a film, it was a statement. It was a demand for black women to be seen. The film is made up um, of a lot of really strong characters and uh, characters that are strong, courageous, beautiful. Sophia and Suge are two very, two of their you know, very unique characters, especially for the time being. Um, she uh, shook position on being a docile housewife and her express reluctance, like the express reluctance Albert ex- says, you know, when it comes to Shug being a mother and how she couldn't mother these, you know, his 10 children or whatever yeah. he had. And, you know, Sophia defending herself from her husband Harpo. Like they, there's just so much to, to digest here. So Alicia, tell us about the play. Okay, um, so the play that we saw... Um, was at the Greenway Theater. It opened November 9th, uh, and it had a uh, official opening, like press opening, on Saturday, uh, November 10th, and it ran until December 9th, but because it was so popular, they actually reopened it for limited um, for limited shows, and so it actually ended up uh, running until December 30th, which is the one that we saw. We got to see the final show. Um, for the play, it's based on a book by Marsha Norman. The music and lyrics were by Brenda Russell, Ali Willis, and Stephen Bray. The directing and choreography um, was by Jeffrey Polk, who's the NAACP Theater Award winner. And this is based on a musical adaptation of Alice Walker's Poulter winning novel, and of course the 1985 Steven Spielberg movie. Um, So to get into the cast, Gabrielle Jackson plays Celie. Um, she's also been in a theater play where she played Aretha Franklin. April Nixon uh, played Suge. Um, she's an uh, Olivia Award nominee and also an international gala star and NAACP Theater Award winner for Best Solo Artist in uh, Did You Do Your Homework? Erin Braxton plays Mr. Jeremy Waitley plays Harpo. And Dominique Kent plays Sophia. Um, Patrick Grant is a music director. He worked with artists like Diana Ross and Stevie Wonder. Um, and the set designer was Christopher Scott Murillo. So with that, I think now's a good time to... Oh, I'm sorry. One more costume designer, because the costumes were amazing, was Dana Rebecca oh, yeah, Woods. The costumes were phenomenal. And um, uh, just a little bit more about the play. Uh, the Color Purple premiered at the Alliance Theater Company in Atlanta, Georgia and opened on Broadway on November 1st, 2005. Um, it won 11 Tony Awards at the 2006 Holy Tony shit, Awards. Yeah. Um, some were Best Musical, Best Book, and Best Original Score. The London Off West End production opened uh, on Broadway in 2015, and it won a Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical. Wow. So, I mean, this movie, the play, the book, they all have accolades, and it's one of those things where it, it shows you how important it is when it's a book, and then it goes to a movie, then it goes to a play. Yeah, and then just to kind of go off of that, there are rumors that another um, movie is coming out with um, based on the play production, and it's going to be produced by um, Quincy Jones, Oprah Winfrey, and uh, Steven Spielberg. That's so, exciting. Yeah, like we'll a lot of the returning. Yeah, yeah, they're returning to because the plays are so popular now they want to do a movie based on the plays yeah what's the word on Whoopi? do you know do you did you hear anything um about that? i don't know if she's going to be a part of it but i'm guessing she will because this is like this is her breakout film yeah that's awesome i i agree that's cool so um anyway uh this again we wanted to say that this episode is very special because um we're actually going to have a guest star and this person is an amazing human being and also I have the pleasure we have the pleasure of calling them a friend um so stay tuned while we uh interview uh Christopher Scott Murillo couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) Christopher Scott Murillo is a scenic designer artist and educator based in Southern California 
Over the course of his career, he has designed over 100 theatrical productions. He is a 2016 recipient of the Princess Grace Fellowship Pierre Cardin Award, and he holds an MFA from USC San Diego. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. It's such an honor to have you on the show. Um, we never had anyone this important on our show, so thank you so much for gracing <laughs> oh, us for with your presence. <laughs> and you're our first, uh, first official uh, guest, so we're, we're really excited to have you. <laughs> yeah, we are very excited to have you. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, and uh, well, just to get into it really quick, uh, the play was phenomenal, and you did an amazing job on the set for The Color Purple. Like, we were very pleasantly surprised by it, by it all. Like, that was the first time I ever saw the play, so to me, it was a pretty big deal. Was it your first time, too, seeing it? Um, yes. I had seen the movies, like, half a dozen times, but, yeah, that was my first time seeing the play, so it was, it was really exciting. Yeah, so we're not going to take too much of your time, but uh, we were hoping we could ask you a few questions. And, uh, Ali J, go ahead. Take- okay. Um, what is the biggest struggle you face as a person of color in your industry? Well, surprisingly, and this is something that I didn't really know, like going into my industry, is there's not a lot of Hispanic scenic designers. That's something I only just found out because I'm in a union and we recently did a diversity survey. And it came back that um, there's only like 2.8 Hispanic scenic designers who are men working in the industry in the union. Oh my God, that is very surprising. Yeah, surprisingly low. Yeah, so it was really surprising to me. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I don't necessarily realize or know of any really, I guess, struggles. I don't face a lot, but it's interesting because I start to notice, you know, the people that I walk into a room with and, you know, who is, you know, from ethnicity or who is Caucasian. I start to notice those things now a little bit more. Um, and I definitely see that in the industry, like especially when you're looking at Broadway, you have um, less diversity there. So I think oh, wow. so sort of working in the industry and keeping pushing to kind of get to the point where you're at the higher place in the industry is always the struggle. Um, but as far as like being welcome to a creative team and being part of the industry, it's always been very welcoming and I've never had any sort of um, negative interactions that way. So. No, that's, that's, that's good to hear that. At least you haven't had to face anyone you know being rude or particularly doubting of you know what you bring to the table as an artist and and i think it's good yeah that you teach because um maybe you're inspiring other you know people of color like oh this is what i want to do and then maybe you know in the future we'll have more that number can go up to 10 percent or (laughs) or 10 people you know Uh, yeah yeah that would be nice in the future maybe yeah Yes. So, um, Chris, as far as uh, the color purple set design, uh, where did you draw your inspiration for the play set design? Was it more from the movie or the book or did you draw a little bit of inspiration from both? Well, you know, it's whenever I do a scenic design, I try to not watch the movie or any past productions um, as part of my process. So what I do is I actually read the entire play and listen to all the music without any visuals in front of me. Um, and what I do is I, I research the places that the play talks about. Um, the Color Purple is kind of challenging because the big Broadway um, revival that just happened a couple years ago, it actually had a really abstract scenic design. So it was just a bunch of wood planks and chairs and that was it. Um, and the director that I was working with wanted to have a slightly more realistic approach to it. So a lot of my research was um, Georgia, you know, the rural parts of Georgia and looking at things like the juke joint, which is talked about in the show and plantation farmhouses. And that's a lot of my inspiration came from historical photos. Wow, that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would have never thought that that's something you, I would have like thought the opposite. Like whenever I, feel like I need inspiration to make anything like I, I jumped to Pinterest or something yeah or something stupid but that's really cool that you don't like you kind of draw yourself entirely from any visuals yeah uh, um, yeah it's so it's so that my my idea is a fresh look on it and it's a mm. personal look so I'm not you know I'm hopefully not copying anything that's already done yeah that's amazing i love that <laughs> i love that so much um thank you okay, so <laughs> when creating the set design 
uh, for the color purple, what was something that was important for you to convey? You know, the, the set design actually came, um, it was really important to convey textures as mm -hmm. well as a background and a color palette that allowed our actors to shine and be present oh, um, and move really comfortably in. Because it's, you know, it's difficult. And this is something that when you have actors of various skin tones on stage, you have to be careful of the colors you put behind them. Wow, that's like, you're like a genius. <laughs> I would have ne that would have never crossed my mind. Yeah, so there's things like that, because you know, you have skin tones. And with something like the color purple set, there's a lot of browns and wood tones that are involved. So a lot of my color choices actually were more either red or even some some of them were like burgundy and really deep purples um but you know when you look at them on stage they look brown but really they're different shades of brown that lean towards another color and that allows our actors faces to pop out it allows the textures to look more rich um, and allows you, know, you as audience members to see the actors and to pay attention to that right it gives them focus so wow that's that's incredible. Yeah, that, I would have never thought that. I, I was looking yeah. at the colors and I'm like, how did he choose these colors? Yeah, like these but, woods yeah, and sense. then there's, I mean, you were, you also had very limited space because that particular theater is very intimate. It's yes. you know, smaller. So it's very yeah, small. I, yeah. But I mean, you did so much with like what, you know, that you tiny had. space yeah. you had. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay, so the beginning of the play was extremely melancholic. Uh, we see Celie lose uh, her innocence, her children, her sister, and in some ways her liberty. Was it challenging uh, for you to create a set that could progress with the story so effortlessly? Um, you know, that's always a challenge to kind of introduce any show. And that's, you know, the big opening number tells all of that right away, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how we did it was we wanted to create an environment that allowed you to get a sense of the place and the characters, but at the same time that set the story in motion um, so that, you know, you see all these things happen. And while they're mel melancholic, what you realize is, you know, that's who Seeley is. And over the course of the play, you see her overcome all that struggle. So I think, you know, it's a great place to start and it, it allows the audience to connect with that character. So it was a little challenging at first, but overall, I think we I think we did a good job working with the space and um, the choreography. Yes, you absolutely did, because that's to me was something that I mean, a lot of the story takes place in, you know, Albert's house. And then uh -huh. additionally, you know, she moves. I mean, something that the movie doesn't do is show a lot of Celie's after, like mm -hmm. life post Albert. So, I mean, you, I think you did a phenomenal job um, showing that progress. Like it's still, you know, it was still neutral enough to where it wasn't distracting like the audience from anything else that was going on and how the story had moved or had shifted entirely to a different direction. Uh -huh. I was going to say, I also like that you, um, the props and things that you had were multi-purpose. Like, you know, yes. they use the, the benches as like, the church pews and then they used it for Shug when she was in the bath yeah so, you know it was very little that you had on on the uh, set but everything had its purpose and it was like repurposed in different ways and I, I thought that was pretty cool yeah, yeah I, I, I agree that was that was really good use of everything that they had oh see. thank you okay so um the play had great music wardrobe lighting acting and of course an amazing set what type of co uh, collaboration took place to ensure everyone's artistic vision was recognized while still honoring the legacy of the, icon of the iconic book and movie of the same name? Um, with that, you know, it's interesting because whenever you walk into a theater, you kind of, there's a little bit of limitation by the space that you're given. And as you saw, it was really small space. Um, with that, you know, it was a lot of collaboration with the other designers making sure that we were all, you know, in the same world and that we were supporting our actors and our director. Um, our director had a very specific vision. So he, you know, he came to me and said, I want, you know, I want a set that feels textured. I want one door where they're going to enter and exit from. I want to see the band. Um, so I took a lot of those directions and that's where our set um, geographically came from. Because if you, know, if you recall, there was, you know, you could see the band. We revealed them from the juke joint moment. 
there was one door that was the house door and the church door. Um, then there was an area that almost looked like um, choir risers, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, you know, me collaborating with the director. And then after I chose the colors and the costume designer and the lighting designer play off the colors I choose, um, and they, you know, they either go with the same color palette or they do a different one. Um, and then with props, our actors, you know, each actor kind of likes to have certain props, so they request props. Um, so that's all of us, you know, working together to make sure everyone has what they need to tell the story. Um, and it's a lot of conversation, believe it or not. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say to go off of what you're saying about being able to see the band, like being someone who used to be a musician, you know, in high school and stuff, I thought it was cool because a lot of times with plays, I feel like people forget about the musicians and the role they yeah play. and the role that they play and how important they are especially in musicals so to be able to see them and to see them at work um was actually really amazing and i like that they were right right there where you could see it and instead of just being like in a like that lower pit. yeah the lower <laughs> the lower theater, pit. yeah yeah so it was cool to have them right there um and you know have you them connected. cover up <laughs> cover them up a yeah no, yeah that's the nice thing about some of these small theaters you know they want you to see the band so that it was nice that for this production we got to because you know it yeah. gives the audience an extra treat <laughs> <laughs> okay so um what did you enjoy the most about working on the set uh you know what this set it was i think i really enjoyed i mean yes the musical is wonderful but the this production was all very friendly and very talented. So that was a, an awesome part, you know, working with this group is, you know, everyone was very nice to each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, being in rehearsal, you know, we spend a lot of time together. So when they're on stage, you know, some rehearsals, I'll come in, I'll, st I'll check on things, and then I'll leave and go somewhere else to another rehearsal. Um, but this rehearsal, I felt like I wanted to sit and hear the music over and over again. Oh, because they had such great voices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was it yeah, was really can... great to be in that room with them and working with them. They were all so nice and talented. So Yeah, extremely talented. It did seem like from what we saw, like it was a family atmosphere. Like everyone just seemed like they had connected over doing this musical and it's like it was more than just a job. It seems like it was a friendship and definitely bonds that were formed. We could tell that by just looking at their performances. Right. Yeah, we for went sure. to the last uh, um the last show and the entire cast was in tears. Yeah, like, like the very last scene, everyone started crying uh, one by one. And I guess it was because it was their final show. So yeah. they knew that, okay, this is the end of the production. And, I mean, they made everyone in the audience cry because we could really yeah. see their emotion. And it was great. Yeah, no, it was it was great because um, this cast actually had a couple people from the original Broadway show. And then oh, others wow. from the touring show that just happened. So it was almost like this, you know, family with generations. And there was, like, new people coming in doing the show for the first time. So it's great to see them all work together and become like a family. So. Oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. That's cool. I did not know that. Actually. No, yeah, you yeah, definitely thank you for sharing that. We didn't yeah. <laughs> and well, lastly, Chris, um, we have to ask, what does the color purple mean to you? You know, the color purple, that's something when I first, you know, went through the script and heard the music, I was like, well, why, why did they choose the title? And, you know, to me, it's like the story, you know, the story of the color purple, you know, it's about diversity and equality and, you know, overcoming a struggle. That's what you see throughout the whole show. And, you know, that's the lesson that I hope the audience takes away is that, you know, we all deserve an equal chance and equal rights. And that, you know, throughout everyone's lifetime, there's going to be a struggle you have to overcome. So that to me is what the color purple means and what it stands for. That's beautiful. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, we won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it beyond words. Yeah, tremendously. Um, it. I mean, I've seen, this is the second show of yours I've seen. I'm definitely going to see more. But to have you as a friend and also to have someone that's so humble and so knowledgeable, It's. I mean, it was great to have you as our first guest because... Um, yeah, truly, it's yeah. an honor. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Chris. Bye. Okay, bye. bye. Have a good night. <laughs> thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you, Chris, for that. That was amazing. Uh, we were so lucky to have someone so knowledgeable and uh, so passionate about his career on the show. So thank you again so much for being on the show. 
Thank you for um, giving us a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to put on a production like this and the part that you played. It was very interesting, and we learned a lot. Yeah, we did. All the, you know, all the energy that goes into doing this. Um, so with that, I guess we're going to go ahead and dive in or dig into the, the meat and potatoes. <laughs> right. Here's what you guys have been waiting for, which is going to be um, our review of the Yeah, the and I was explaining why we think this is a, an important, powerful film. So with that, you know thoughts like what for i have to ask since we both saw this now that, that you saw the play because that was your first time seeing the play right yes and i know mind you guys uh this was my first time seeing the color purple i'd never seen it before i had heard of it i didn't know very much about it um so this was completely new to me so i watched it for the first time but alicia is a she's a veteran watcher she's watched it multiple times and um she but this is her first time watching a play so i i think it's very uh i think it's kind of neat when movies or plays you know draw inspiration from films or you know vice versa like and in this case i feel like this specific story like it kind of transitioned to three different art forms you know it was a book it was a movie and then it was a play which is and i think the cool thing about this play too is that it didn't just draw inspiration from the movie it also drew inspiration from the the book because we there were certain scenes in there and we're like wait this wasn't in the movie so it was kind of cool to kind of get for um I don't know. It was just cool to be able to uh, get more information, especially because it's a modern thing, so they could do more things now than they could with the 1985 film. Right. So it just made me more intrigued. Like, I need to read the book now because the movie was phenomenal. The play was phenomenal. Like, where did it all start? Right. the origin, which is the book. Yeah, so I have to ask, as of now, how did you enjoy the story more, the play or the movie? (sighs) That's a difficult question. Um, I think I like the play more just because, like you said, it's interactive. Um, you can see their emotions right there. And it's just, it's right there in your face. Right. So it's like, I just felt like I was a part of it. Like, watching the movie, I felt like I was a part of it, but it's easy to get distracted. But with the play, like, they have my attention the full time. I'm one of those people that always has my phone out. I don't, I didn't take my phone out once. I was, yeah. they had me drawn in. I actually didn't take my phone out during the movie, though. Yeah. And I usually have my phone on me all the time, or I'm at least, like, looking through it or something but this i think that's a hard question to ask though because they're both great in different ways yeah i agree i agree i can't i can't pick one either i love the play though but there was um the movie in itself it was you know even it even though there was like so much like tragedy and so much um you know terrible things happen happening to this main character like there was something kind of sweet about it and something i kind of really enjoyed like um from the film was uh, when Nettie's teaching Celie how to read. That's Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I There's love a, iconic scene. parts in, the, in yeah. the movie that were just amazing. I was waiting to see it in the stage production, and I didn't see it. So I was like, yeah, they yeah. can't really take that away from the movie. And just to describe a little bit of that scene, um, everybody, uh, there's a scene where uh, Nettie, who's Celie's sister, she's teaching her how to read, and she's doing this by uh, posting, like, little pieces of paper. It's like parchment labeling. paper. Yeah, it's like parchment paper, and she has, like, words written out on like you know whatever thing so like the word table would be placed on a table and the word you know it's similar to how uh, parents teach their kids yeah. to read now and uh i really like that was a, such a sweet thing for her to keep when uh out on her window that, she, keep, yeah. she kept the word sky and that to me was like it, was so, it said so much about like also kind of like a forecast of the where the story was and, going yeah. yeah like well a lot of the movie uh Celie, the main character she's kind of writing to god right she's writing to so that was something that was i felt was very important like to portray like in the story i i have not read the book either so that's also something i should note because uh we found out from another source aka alicia's mom that there's a lot of things the movie does not go into detail about (laughs) which makes sense because the the book was very graphic and then if if you think about the times 1985 um they were more censored as far as what they could could disclose and what they could show so a lot of the stuff was left up to the imagination well see here's the thing though i actually want to touch on that because i like i looked up some of the movies that had been released um during that time and you know there's movies obviously like uh you know like coming to america and now i have to say this is one of my favorite movies my mom used to yes mom i told you my mom used to watch it on hbo latino so yes my mom used to watch it in spanish and i i only honestly i only grew up watching it in spanish because i only watched it because my mom watched like she loved watching she loves 
cut? There's a sequel coming out. What yeah. the fuck? Okay, that's like important news. What the yeah. fuck? Okay, my mom's gonna be thrilled because yeah. she loves that movie. With the like, she's cast always, yeah, she's loved Eddie Murphy. She's loved like Martin Lawrence. I think I told you she used to watch all their movies translated on HBO Latino. So this movie was I love. I, I love coming to America but that movie was also like it sexualized women a lot in that movie yeah, so I think the, the problem was like with women expressing their sexuality I think not only that it was because of the fact that it was already such a controversial film and people true. were gonna already find reasons not to like it that's true so I think if she felt like if she went over um, like overly obvious with the sexual stuff that right. maybe people would turn away so she's like I don't want them to focus on that I want it to be a focus on everything else so maybe right, that's, that's why true. she kind of yeah. left it more your yeah to the imagination mm-hmm. right yeah because there are some scenes like we talk about um you know silly sexuality um like there's a scene in the movie um and again this is why this movie was like so iconic for its time it's iconic till this very day because even till this very day there's not really a lot of films that kind of show i don't know any other i'm trying to think at the top of my head i can't really think of any characters that were as iconic as you know, Seeley, Nettie, well, yeah, they, Avery. There's like, movies about um, about slavery and things like that in that time period, but it, it just it doesn't really focus on the women and what hap- like their role and what happened to them. So this is kind of cool to see. Yes, to see that. Yes. So one of them was uh, like Shug Avery, who's this older, like very. She's everything anyone should ever aspire to be. <laughs> like she's like this whimsy. You know, fabulous woman that kind of strolls into her life in the middle of like so much darkness. Would like, you say like a modern day Amber Rose or something like that? Uh, you know what? Only from the movie, I wouldn't be. Able, I wouldn't have taken that. Right. Only because we don't know. Like in the book, you can go ahead and share this because this was your mom that told you the story. So share what Shug teaches. Avery. Oh yeah. I mean, um, Seeley. So in the movie, there's a scene where you know um, her and Celia are talking, and she's like oh, don't you enjoy sex with mister? And she's like, no, I kind of just, you know, lay there and pretend like... While he does his business. Yeah, I just, I think about my sister. And she's like, well, then you're technically, like, a virgin. So, um, and then it kind of cuts off after that. But my mom did tell me that she read the book and she actually teaches her how to pleasure herself, which is like, for me, I guess it was a taboo because they feel like the only... The only reason why you're there is to please a man. So for you to try to please yourself is right. Like, how of. dare you? Yeah, and they yeah, that's true. But if you if you didn't read the book, you would you wouldn't get that because no, they they um, allude. So I thought maybe they slept together. Yeah, but I never thought about like self gratification. Yeah, we. I mean, and Shug like she comes into she's like this fabulous like singer and she wears sparkly dress like she's the complete opposite of what Celie is they're like yin and yang yeah Celie is which is why it's so important though because these women create a bond over all their differences you know they still have and they find a connection you know they're I mean obviously Albert is a common link but Albert is Terrible. Have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a lot better in the play, right? I think so. Yeah, because they don't really show the abuse and stuff like that. And then uh, at the end, they show him more like uh, seeking redemption and trying to do right. Or in the movie, they just kind of fade to him. Okay, he did right, but he never really connects with Celia again from the movie. So yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I mean, we have really strong characters, um, both in the movie and in the play. We we see a lot of. I mean, with. My complaint about the movie was that they didn't go into detail about Shug, Avery, and Celie's relationship, which they do in the play, right? Yes, like they, that's what I liked about the yeah, play a lot, because the movie left you with a lot of questions, like, are they just platonic friends that are close? Yeah. Are, is there something going on? But then with the play, I mean, it really lets you know that they were lesbian lovers, and they were, they were in love. They had a special relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that was, again, it goes back to, like, what you were saying about, like, the whole basically the whole masturbation part they it's too taboo they wouldn't have never they left it off them maybe they're lesbians maybe they're yeah, together there's a scene where but, she, yeah she kissed her and we're like is she just doing that out of pity yeah or because she's trying to comfort her or was it a romantic thing and the play kind of explored that more that they had a um, legitimate relationship and they were together um which was really cool because Celie didn't the only person that she had was her sister right. so then when we see the play we get okay no now she had shook avery like this person that was her person and she had someone else who loved her and after that like her whole personality changed she started to become more confident and she which like she just needed to be seen which right is like a exactly powerful, she was the first person yeah. who saw her and i think what was cool is like there's that famous line you show is ugly and so 
you know, we think that, oh, wow, like, she's a jerk. Like, she doesn't like her. She's a bitch or whatever. But then we learn that she's actually <laughs> envious of her. Yeah, and, that would surprise me, yeah. Right. She wishes, like, that she could be like her because she's like, you, you know, you're just a powerful woman and you're taking care of this household. But me, I have to, like, shake my, my TNA and all that, tits and ass, to get attention. So. Yeah, that's, that's true. And. They kind of envied each other, but then I but think that's lot, why yeah. why it was a good yin and yang. In that line, they kind of brought each other out. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, that's true. But in that line, I, I did think that Shug didn't serve herself justice because she was more than that. She was such a confident woman, right. which wasn't very, like, you know... Um, and this, this movie takes... It starts taking place, like, in the early 1900s. So, like, a confident woman saying, you know, like, she treated Albert like shit. If you've seen this movie... Which back know, then was not okay because yeah. women were always submissive, but... She did what she wanted, and she didn't um, ask anything about it. This is what this is who I am, and uh, Albert, aka Mister, loved it. Yeah, and Mister even gets questioned by his father. It's like, why are you letting this woman treat you this way? You know what I mean? And they, it's always kind of like that question. Like when a woman stands up for herself, it's like, why are you letting him? Why are you letting her treat you this way? Like it's not really about question. Like if he was nice too, then he would probably not get treated like shit. Right. Yeah, so that was something that was um, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty. Those two characters, obviously, but they're, I mean, the whole story is filled with very like important and like like Sophia is another great example. Like I loved Sophia's character so much. Um, one because I I felt like her relationship with Harpo, like she didn't feel like harpo was doing her a favor by marrying her. Like she felt like no, we're equals. Like if you yeah, wanna, like I'm a you prize. Me, yeah, like, you have to realize that. Um, I'm a catch, so I'm not right. going to sit around and wait for you forever. Yes, and, like, you know, it's noted that she's, like, a big girl, like, both in the movie and in the play. And in, in the movie, it's that her character is played by Oprah Winfrey, a very fresh-faced Oprah Winfrey. She's adorable in that uh-huh. movie. And, oh, we didn't mention that, but in the... That's my bad. Um, in the movie, uh, Celie's character is played by uh, Whoopi Goldberg, a very, very young and adorable Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I think she's so cute in that movie. Yeah, I mean, they always say how ugly she is, but she, she's, I, ugly, she's beautiful, and she has a beautiful smile. And uh, just a little fact about her, she's one of the only people to have an EGOT. So if you don't know what that is, that's an Emmy, a Golden Globe, an Oscar, and a Tony. So she's one of the few oh, people, yeah. especially of color and being a woman, to have that. And she's had it for a while. Wow, that's so incredible. This, she's, she's amazing. Yeah, so that. thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did not know what that was. Actually. Well, because um, they made a big deal because John Legend just got it. Now he has an EGOT winner too. He oh, has really? all four. What did yeah. he win? Oh, the Oscar was it for the La La Land? I think Roll? so. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So that's a, oh yeah for the music he did in La La Land. Yeah. That's okay, that's awesome too. Well, yeah. So like you know, Sophia's character is by play, like I said, by a very fresh-faced Oprah Winfrey, and her, her character not only um, she has a very powerful line in that in that movie. Um, you Which one? Um, the, I love the you told one. Harpo to beat me, or all my life I had to fight. Yes, all my life I had to fight. Yeah, yeah, I had to fight my uncles, I had to fight my dad, I had to fight my cousins, but I wouldn't think that I would have to fight in my own home. Right, and this comes after uh, a little envious Seely tells advises Harpo, Sophia's husband, to beat her. Um, in order for her to become more submissive or more docile, because she's not very, she's kind of a woman that she's not necessarily like you know. Uh, she just kind of beats to the gym, the beat of her own drum. Like, she's not necessarily trying to be outspoken or anything. She just kind of stands up for herself. That's, like, you know, the only difference. And then I did actually make a note about that, too. Because um, it kind of reminds me of when, what women have to deal with today. Like, now when you speak up, you're, like, when you speak up, you're considered aggressive. Instead of being passionate, they always just say, oh, you have an attitude like an uh, angry black woman or angry woman of color instead of saying like oh wow she's passionate and you know but and assertive yeah how many times ladies have you heard the word chill or chill out man yeah relax why are you getting so mad and sophia kind of cut that shit out but like for men it's expected they're supposed to be cutthroat they're supposed to do that yeah it's like you're supposed to be come on be more aggressive and it's like women can't even question something and that was something that sophia's character does she challenges like this the stereotype of women having to be docile and you know she's a completely different person completely different character from Celie too who she also connects with right yeah actually can we get into that because yes, I wanted to talk about the couple dynamics in the play and yes. the movie which I thought were important like for me Harpo and, and Sophia I feel like they represent like equality respect growth true love I mean they did have their ups and downs but at the end of it um the relationship like 
there's always like a cycle of abuse and I feel like Harpo broke that cycle because originally he was abusive to Sophia but then he learned and he started to cherish her so I think he broke that cycle of being an abusive man and um, their relationship was was legitimate I, I agree they were my favorite couple and then not to say like we can't forget that he beat her but you know I think it was more of a I mean for its time and it was also something he was being advised by everybody including his own father was telling him you need to beat that woman so she can be you know submissive and o- o- obey you and um yeah I he learned because I mean yeah, like when he does when she wants himself. to leave everyone's like what are you gonna do aren't you gonna stop her he's like she's she can do what she wants like yep. I, I have no control over her so he I learned. love that line too <laughs> yeah um and then like with Celia and Shug oh I, sorry which I'm sorry to interrupt you but to yes. touch on that Harpo's character was also very progressive for his time because he was yes, kind of like exactly. he let her be his her own woman independent most of the time yeah I mean from aside from that beginning where he beats her does it this time because he you know he's advised to do it and he's kind of that's why I was saying they have an equal relationship because he doesn't like talk down to her and say like you're beneath me he treated her like an equal partner which is what a relationship should be oh we also must mention that Sophia beat his ass back (laughs) yeah exactly I think one of those things like when women that are abused they say like hit them back and they won't hit you again I think that's what happened she (laughs) he hit her and she had a little mark on her eye and then she hit him and he, his eyes were like swollen shut yeah so i think after that he learned okay I, this is not a woman i'm gonna be hitting right <laughs> yeah I, I i like that about i like that they noted that they added that for co- sort of like comedic like, yeah exactly relief in that in that scene in i thought movie. it was too especially because sometimes the movie gets really heavy so that was a good way to lighten it up um next i wanted to talk about celia and shook because i think with their relationship they were able to have honesty and vulnerability like you were saying Suge is this person and she's kind of idolized as being perfect and this woman who has it all together but I feel like with Celie especially like when she was bathing her she was able to show vulnerability and like I'm not perfect and uh here are my flaws and the same with Celie Celie is so guarded and she can't really speak to anyone so I think yeah. their relationship they were able to open up and kind of see each other for who they really are right without any, yeah like, and Shug, cover. yeah Suge does touch on like her relationship with her father how she he sees her as a completely unperfect person and that's something that's just like see look at me like i'm not as perfect as you think i am I'm right because i mean to to be honest like all these people all these women are praising her but the only man she wants approval from is her father so it doesn't matter how many guys like her that's not what she's after she's after the approval of her father so yeah that's a powerful should we talk about that scene because that was oh, one of my favorites that's uh i was teary-eyed for a lot of the film um there were a lot of scenes that are very touching in this movie but one thing that like that that, that made me cry was um the very well one of the last scenes in the movie um the entire time we were the audience is made aware that uh suge and her father do not have a good relationship there's a scene where she tries to kind of make amends with her father and he turns his back on her like and then he doesn't she, want to she gets married her. in a way to try to make him happy and she's she puts up her ring eyes married now like letting him know like i'm an honest woman someone married me and he still ignores her so yes. it's just like no matter what she tries to do like he's already done with her so that yeah. last scene is powerful because you know they're singing in the church and you know she's called in and i mean she's singing and everyone in the church sees it and her dad sees it and then you know they embrace and she says like see dad sinners have souls too yeah and to also me, that was so iconic powerful. line in the movie yeah sinners have yeah that was a beautiful line in the movie that brought me not gonna lie that that uh got me yeah <laughs> and not to say that i don't cry during movies and stuff i mean between me and you i think you cry more than I yeah do. <laughs> i know i'm a an emotional person so when i see I like, you crying at the play i was like what i'm surprised you i know cried i cried I at the play but that play was just full of emotion you guys like i don't think there's anything like more emotional than you know that very last scene in a play when they all like hold hands and they all do the bow together but um this was the very last scene uh or the last show of the season for them so like we got to witness that and i was just like a very the room was just like everyone was crying and you could feel it like you could tell that they really had uh formed a, formed a family so they were crying because they knew that that was going to be their last performance and um, it was such a powerful moment to be there. And I think because it's a small stage, you felt it more. Yeah, that because was Because it, it, you felt like you could reach out and touch them. And it was just really intimate. And yeah. it, it felt really great. Yes. Um, so, uh, did you want to go back into the couple dynamics? Or? I'll talk to you. Yeah. Okay. So, for me, I kind of wanted to talk about what you were saying earlier about the um, the difference with Celie and Suge. And then uh, Suge and Mister. Mm-hmm. As far as... Um, 
their relationship being more like lustful, superficial, um, she could do no wrong, and then his relationship with with Mr. and C. Lee, it was like the complete opposite. No matter what she did, it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. That was his wife, but he treated her like she was a servant, and it's just, it's really funny. Well, because he basically needed her for that. That's right, the that's, the only, that's the only reason why he her. married her, was to take care of my kids and clean my house and feed me, so... But it was crazy because I feel like it kind of showed his heart because it made it seem like before Shook came along that he was just this horrible person with no emotions and then he became a puppy dog. Yeah, he was, was so completely different. So it showed that he, he had the ability to be compassionate. He just chose not to because he didn't think she was worthy of it. Exactly, exactly. And it touched, like again, this touches on a lot of, like that's why the story was so important for its time and, you know, till this very day, you know, like people constantly glorify lighter skinned women, women, and um, not to say, you know, that not every woman deserves respect, but that's the reality. A lot of times women are shamed for like being of darker complexion. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, and this ex- this exists everywhere. Asian, in all, yeah, for Asian. There's yeah, Asian, Hispanics, Latinas, yeah, yeah, Mexicans. Like we see this all the time. You know, usually like in you know telenovelas, which are like Mexican soap operas, um, we often see like the dark skinned girl playing a maid, a small role, while like the protagonist is somebody who would be like a light skinned <laughs> Latina. You know, blue eyes, a white Latina. That's just put it clearly yeah. you know and same with you know uh, so for this they do touch on that a lot in the movie and in the play because even Nettie's character in the in the play in the movie she's not a light skinned character no though. it's not no. it's just like she's considered the prettier one yeah she's considered the prettier one but in the play they did touch on that uh, Nettie was like lighter and you know she's a beautiful girl I mean so was the girl that played Celie oh, though yeah, she, she was absolutely adorable I, I, like she stole she the is, show like her smile was beautiful and I mean, just, she was a phenomenal actress. So. She was uh, incredibly talented, uh, just a fantastic singer. Like, I couldn't even get, like, she's such a small person, man, and the way she, That's like, a, yeah. those vocals she, were just She on commands point. a presence, like, she I'm here, you're gonna pay attention to me, and, uh, yeah, she was definitely, and she seemed, like, so young, too, to be she's that talented, young, so I'm just, yeah. I can't wait to see where her career takes off, like, yeah, in the future, because if she's that talented now, just imagine, you well, know. she's gonna do in a couple of years, yeah. yeah. I agree. So... Um, what I mean, we talked about the major themes of the the um, play, but let's we we mentioned the church scene, which was amazing, but that wasn't in the play, and uh, we also mentioned the scene where Celie was learning how to read, that wasn't in the play. Let's talk about some things that were in the play that weren't in the movie. Okay, um, uh, let's talk about. Well, you know what? Harpo and Sophia's relationship, it doesn't really go in depth in the movie. They don't really tell you very much other than, oh, okay, like, you know, they seem to be together again, and that's kind of it. That's where they leave it at. But in the play, they they make it a point to know that these people are soulmates, you know? Yeah, they're truly in love, and they see each other as equals, and he knows that he did wrong for beating her, and um, we just thought that she would never kind of get back to herself after, uh, you know, she got beat down for slapping the mayor or punching the mayor so we kind of see like okay she got herself back and she's too who she is i think we kind of touched on this already but the relationship between celia and and suge in the play it was more pronounced and we really got to see that it was a love story underneath you know this film about um being discriminated against and the struggle and getting out of that we also saw that it was a love story um with them and also like you said sophia and uh, harpo so i thought that was great um one of my favorite scenes from the play was when celie breaks free and she opens up a pan store i mean that's in the movie too but one thing that I didn't really pay attention to is like all of the all the stores she could have opened up and what she could have been doing. She did pants because even now there's like that thing where whoever wears the pants is in oh, charge. Oh yeah, that's still or, saying yeah. yeah, still in like whoever wears the pants is the one that is the dominant in the relationship. So the fact that there was like a musical number where she's like, I'm wearing the pants now. That show like I'm in oh, charge. I I'm running that. stuff. I, love I was that. like, yes, yeah, that was good. It's all about women empowerment. And then she's giving all her friends pants too, so all the women are wearing pants and it's showing like. You know, we're in charge of our own fate. Like, no one's going to control us. Like, we're running stuff. Um, so that was just a, um, 
the freedom that was felt. And I was just like, man, I want to get up there and wear some pants. And yeah, I actually love the costumes in that and the play too. Yeah, because they were wearing. they went from wearing dresses to pants, and it's just yeah. like a powerful moment. Like this is the transition in the in the movie where Celie finds her voice, and she's not going to go back to being submissive. Like yep. she's running stuff. So yeah. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. And now to move on to things that both the movie and the play had in common, like um, I thought that was very important too that they made her like you know breaking free from albert like they made that a very prominent scene in both cases yes. you know she moves on like she stands up for herself she tells him that she's leaving him and you know albert has some goddamn nerve trying to hold her back in both of those scenes because well to <laughs> me like one of my favorite quotes was um one where he like he tells her like you know you're ugly you're black you're poor you're a woman like you can't do it you're not going to amount to anything like i should have just locked you up and let you out to work and she said like i may be black i may be poor i may be a woman like i may even be ugly but i'm here yeah i'm here so like you're yeah, gonna see i love me. that yeah and i'm like yes that's how i feel all the time like <laughs> yeah like it doesn't matter what you're saying about me i'm still here and i'm gonna make a difference i'm gonna make my impact right i that was a very i'm mean, like I said, this and you brought this up you said this from the beginning but this movie and now the play too like they're filled entirely with like super powerful quotes and we will be posting a lot of them for like the next you know following days and stuff following the release of this episode we're gonna be posting a few and of we them. want to hear your favorites because there's so many iconic i was telling uh patty that this movie's kind of like the black person's bible because <laughs> if you look at artists like beyonce um tyler Fair. perry yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not my favorite. <laughs> but we'll get that's a different episode yeah, entirely, exactly. guys. <laughs> but um, if you look at these people, they really draw inspiration from the color purple in their work, and so you'll hear them quoting things, or you'll see themes from the movie presented in their work because it's that powerful. So, I mean, most people, if you black people, you've asked them if they've seen this, they're gonna say yes, and if they haven't, then we're gonna revoke their their black. Oh heart. my god, it, it, it is. I mean, it is iconic, and um, there's so much to learn. Like, even though it was such a long time ago, those things are still relevant. Like, relevant. Like, we're we're showing different women. Like, we're showing Nettie, who said even back then, like, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. I'm gonna. She didn't want to get married. Education. Yep. Like, I don't. My worth is not defined by being married and having kids. And she she did that. And nowadays, I mean, we're. We're in 2019, and people still look at women weird for not wanting As to be baby married. making machines, right? Or like, why, or if they want to get a baby on their own without yeah. a man, they're looked at weird. So, I mean, that was important then. Sophia, outspoken, like she would have been an activate activist nowadays, like speaking yep. her mind, not letting people tell her what to do. Cause she white people, because right? She white people trying to tell her shit. Suge Avery was like someone who's a free spirit and enjoy sexuality and pleasure and she's like let us know it's okay to enjoy yeah. your body like that's what we're here for like yeah pleasure like it's not, not all about the men yeah it's about exactly. women too so she showed that and then Celie, you know shows the most growth because she comes out kind of like this like bookworm this person who's kind of quiet and then she breaks free and she finds her independence so i mean this she movie is voice. full of full of uh, powerful black women and just women of color in general I, I think it draws inspiration because you can kind of see yourself in all the characters and uh, nowadays I mean it's still important because that's a, that's a problem we're in today yep. women still not being represented that's why we're having the women's marches and stuff like that Right. so I mean this film just kind of shows that absolutely as someone that just watched this movie I can tell you that that movie didn't feel very off touch with everything that's happening till this very day and I think so, that's why yeah. there's still like plays and it's still after like 33 years it's still relevant because all these things are still present today the colorism the classism sexism racism discrimination domestic violence domestic violence all that stuff is still relevant today so it's like we can't just ignore it we gotta keep you know shining a light on it so that yeah. things can change wise words my friend i love that love that absolutely i'm giving i'm happy because <laughs> yeah. i love that so with that i think that's a pretty good uh note to end this episode so we were giving it obviously four thumbs up right and telling yeah, everyone to see well, the everyone and their mother i'm already dragging my husband to see it actually he's very excited to see it he, it'll I probably come him, back yeah. the play will definitely come back again so when it comes into town definitely see it and you can watch the movie on Amazon and all these other different places. Yes, it's so available on it Amazon. You can rent it for like four bucks. Um, yeah. Or ask one of your black friends. They might have it. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, guys, um, before we take off, uh, we do want to leave you with some information. Um, 
we, in, you know, in light of this movie and, um, you know, how that movie touches so much on domestic violence and, you know, violence towards women, uh, we thought it was a good idea to share a foundation with you. Uh, it's called Insight, uh, I-N-C-I-T-E-National.org. We will be posting a link to this. Um, Insight, and I'm quoting this from their website, is a network of radical feminists of color organizing to end state violence and violence in our communities and our homes. So... If you'd like to make a donation to that um, organization, we would highly recommend it. Uh, like I said, we're going to be sharing these foundations depending on the movie and depending on what we're speaking on. Because we want to advocate for women's rights and yes. minorities' rights and people of color. And yeah, and a lot of the times these organizations, I mean, not to say that we have a huge audience or anything, but I mean, if we can get a few of you to, you know, donate a few bucks to, to a good cause, like, you know, we're going to we're gonna do that so with that guys uh that's gonna be it uh, don't forget to dm us um on our instagram page underscore two real t-o-o-r-e-e-l yeah you'll find all of our updates there um you can find our email at link uh on there too Oh, and uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to be having a giveaway soon. We're going to be posting all the details um, on our Instagram page. So that's another good reason to go follow us uh, and, you know, tell us what you liked about this episode. Did we mess something up? Did Was there something you wanted to know more about? Did we get any facts wrong? Like, let us know. Like, we're totally not uh, against that. So uh, with that, guys, uh, we'll take off. Again, we'll be posting details about, um, you know, this giveaway and we're really excited about we're really excited about this upcoming season we're going to be having like actor profiles and you know we just we can't wait to show you everything we have planned so please uh stay tuned yeah stay tuned keep listening keep listening please tell your friends tell your mothers tell your sisters tell your brothers well anyone that would really appreciate this we we appreciate it right so with that bye bye